Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. As we trudge the road of happy destiny to our glory, we so often walk through and encounter tumultuous times and rocky paths as earthlings. This certainly is one of those times in history. I, for one, look for consolation, a word from above, a word that might come from a place like this. And today on this Feast of All Saints, it comes in all directions. Today we sing a song of the saints of God, patient, brave, and true, who lived and died for the Lord they loved and knew. I don't think there's a hymn in our repertoire that can make me tear up so easily as that one. Perhaps because it puts to music so many thoughts, feelings, memories, and recollections about my own very commonplace heroes of the faith. We call them the saints of God. One was a soldier, and one was a priest, and one was slain by a fierce wild beast. Folks like me, folks like you, and we mean to be one, too. Today we add another to the long line that extends throughout history. This little Christian Angeline, who I see over here on my right side, who's about to be baptized and made a member of Christ's body and knit together with us in fellowship. In her energetic little book called A Passion for Life, Sister Joan Chittister capsulizes what we're about in this commemoration. For centuries, she says, the church has confronted the human community with role models of greatness. We call them saints, when perhaps what we really mean to say is icons, stars, heroes of the faith, ones so possessed by an internal vision of divine goodness that they give us a glimpse of the face of God right now in the center of the human. And her punchline is glorious. They give us a taste of the possibilities of greatness within ourselves. Oh, Lord only knows, dear sister, we need to be speaking clearly about the possibilities for greatness within ourselves and then make appeal to those better angels who sit on our shoulders to keep us on that path of righteousness. In this most troublesome week just past, we've seen displays of just the opposite, not human greatness, but human smallness, perversity, the capacity for evil. Sadly, writes the Bishop of Arkansas, we are all beginning to see once again what evil looks like, and it is not a pretty picture. Honesty, integrity, and compassion for one fellow human beings are no longer virtues that are even thought about outside the doors of religious houses. Well, thank God for a place like this, which has a way of heralding these virtues. And if those better angels weren't enough to keep us on the straight and narrow, toiling and fighting, living and dying for the Lord we love and knew, we have a connection with God and with each other. And today we say that is indissoluble. We belong to something bigger than ourselves. We are a part of, not apart from. And if any one of you ever 
find yourself feeling on the sidelines, the margins are apart from, signal it, raise your hand, let us know. At this time in history, I honestly believe we'll do whatever we can to widen this circle of light until you find that you fit. Listen to the words of the prayer for the day, our collect. It captures what I think is our deepest longing as human beings, the desire to connect, to belong. It says, Almighty God, you have knit together your elect in one communion and fellowship. Oh, what a verb. I've been knitted to a tapestry as dazzling as that altar frontal. That's just what I yearn for. I belong. I have a place in this house. I even have a reserved seat in the house to come. And today, to reinforce that connection, when we receive Holy Communion this morning, the names of those who have preceded us in death are read at the altar rail saying to us that the altar rail in this church, that piece of wood up there, is the place where the veil is so thin, the veil between heaven and earth. Last Saturday, when I heard the news of the Tree of Life synagogue massacre, I was in Mendham, New Jersey, leading a retreat for recovering alcoholics and drug addicts. When the news surfaced, we retreatants immediately stopped what we were doing, we paused and we prayed for the 11 victims, their families, our first cousins in the Jewish community, and our own disoriented and shaken selves. Prayer is, or can be, or should be, our first defense at moments like these. Our first response to whatever it is that besets us, assails us, makes us feel untethered from that which grounds us. St. Paul has a lovely phrase. He reminds us that in prayer, the Spirit of God is constantly working within us. And he says, in sighs and groans too deep for words. I take that to mean whenever and wherever you and I find ourselves sighing and groaning, just know we're on the right track. Have you ever sighed? Have you ever groaned? Oh, that's a holy thing to do. Again, quoting Bishop Benfield, the phrase thoughts and prayers, our thoughts and prayers are with you. That's the currency of certain politicians these days, he says. What the church needs is a strong witness that evil in the form of racism or bigotry or naked greed is not the currency that we will trade. We will continue to speak out as disciples of Jesus for the dignity of every human being and for Christian commitment to see the risen Christ in all people. We must act in consonance with what we pray. Prayer, after all, is essentially a response to God. Thus, to pray is to dare to act. Lord knows we've no time for despairing, no time for allowing a thundercloud of impending doom to descend. There's work to be done, humanity to be transformed, provisions to be made for the abundant life that Jesus proclaims. I found so much consolation in the New Testament lesson today. I'm so pleased that Myra read it. It comes to us from the revelation of St. John the Divine. That's a curious book of the Bible. It was one that was almost discarded once upon a time because it's a series of visions 
found at the very end of the New Testament canon. It's scenes of the kingdom often consulted for their profoundly consoling words in times of great trouble. St. John was seeing his world destroyed, and suddenly he has this vision of a world to come. Today, being our celebration of all saints, we didn't have to consult scripture to look for consolation. So often in church, it comes to us. And it says the very thing we need to hear on a particular day. In a vision, St. John heard a voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Or in the new translation, Behold, the house of God is with mortals. And God will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God from henceforth and forever. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, nor shall there be any more pain, for the former things are now passed away. In just a few moments, this choir will sing those words in Edgar Baton's powerful anthem. It's called, And I Saw a New Heaven. I guarantee you it'll be a heightened moment, I'll predict, to let the consoling and encouraging music of the church wash all over you as only music can do. If that anthem doesn't take you to the gates of Beulah land, I don't know what will. Quite synchronistically, in the short verses that follow what you just heard this morning, the lesson from Revelation continues with the news of the tree of life. Wow. The tree of life. The name of that broken-hearted, violent, shattered synagogue in Pittsburgh. In the book of Revelation, the tree of life, we're told, grows beside the waters of life. Those who rest with God dwell in peace forevermore under the tree of life, whether it be on this side or on that side of the great veil. The text is this. Then the angel showed me the river of water, the river of the water of life. It was as bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God. On either side of the river is the tree of life, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of all the nations. Profoundly good news. These words, of course, inspired an old hymn that we seldom hear anymore and one that we should probably reinvigorate in this church house. You know it, I'm sure. Shall we gather at the river where bright angel feet have trod with its crystal tide forever flowing from the throne of God? On the first anniversary of 9-11 in September 2002, we worship leaders at my other beloved Trinity Church decided that day that we'd be dedicated to music, nothing but music. So many words had already been spoken, so much of the left brain had been utilized in an attempt to understand the disaster, and so many were still living under a dark pall of despair. Music is what we offered one of the primary gifts of this particular branch of God's church. From 7 a.m. until 6 p.m., each hour was dedicated to a musical offering as an act of worship. Some choral, some vocal, some instrumental, all tapping into the rhythms of the right brain, the intuitive, the receptive, the poetic, 
the mystical, the place where sighs and groans are felt. And the response was a standing room only crowd at every hour throughout the day. The last 15 minutes of the day, 5.45 through 6 p.m., was accorded to a mezzo-soprano, a friend of the congregation. Her name was Diana Fox. She sang Aaron Copeland's rendition of At the River, that hymn taken from this lesson. During the last verse, Ms. Fox's voice faltered. It cracked. She had to pause a few seconds while emotion insisted its rightful due. And then she ended what was one of the most electrifying musical consolations I've ever felt, given its context, that spiritually hungry crowd as we sometimes are here, and that deep human yearning for a place by the crystal river under the tree of life. When Miss Fox finished her contribution to a day of remembrance, that huge crowd of worshipers jumped to their feet and they clapped and they yelled and they bravoed in jubilation. It was almost as if the day truly ended with all of us sitting for a moment under a lively tree by a shining river right there next to the throne of God. Soon we'll reach the shining river Soon our pilgrimage will cease. Soon our happy hearts will quiver with the melody of peace. Yes, we'll gather at the river, the beautiful, the beautiful river. Gather with the saints at the river that, throw, that flows by the throne of God. And so, as we move on, on into this troublesome time in which we're living, perhaps a rough ride, we need to hold on to some of these wonderful All Saints contributions to the faith. The first is God has equipped us with whatever it is we have to do at this time in history to bear what we have to bear, to act as the Spirit prompts us to act. We have the better angels on our shoulders. Why not consult them? We have the gift of prayer and ongoing dialogue with the Almighty that comes and forth and sighs and groans too deep for words. We have each other knit together from henceforth and forevermore in a tie that truly binds. We have the liturgy and music of the church, forever a glue that keeps us intact. We have a mandate to speak out for the dignity of every human being, loving our neighbor as we do ourselves. And we have a vision of what's in store. We need to keep that alive, that vision knowing without a vision the people always perish. And most significantly, we have the blessing of the Trinity, to which we are bound for eternity, the love of God, the grace of Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost. Let me end this sermon with a word of praise. It's taken from the Jewish prayer known as the Kaddish, which has been said all over the world this past week. It's a prayer said by those who mourn for the blessed dead. And you know, we call them the saints of God. It's a prayer of praise. Blessed and praised, glorified and exalted, extolled and honored, adored and lauded be the name of the Holy One. Blessed be he beyond all the blessings and hymns, praises and consolations that are ever spoken in the world. 
after the prayer is a little rubric that says, and the people say, Amen. So say, Amen. Amen. And now unto God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, be ascribed as is most justly due all might, dominion, majesty, power, and glory from this time forth and forevermore. Amen.